You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to C3SaltLakeCity.com. Come on, let's lift Jesus up. Come on, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. You guys are doing something amazing here. I mean, this place is lit this morning. And Vince and Becca, you guys are incredible. Like, there is no ceiling on what can happen here. When I'm at the hotel and they're talking about it, saying, I don't know what kind of religion this is, but we need to get there because every person from their team that passes through is an exceptional person. You just don't know. I just know this is echoing and resonating into this city, and there's just no limit. 500 people at a Christmas Eve service. Come on. These things just don't happen. So I don't know, and thank you musicians, thank you so much for ushering in the presence of God. It's going to actually make this easy. I don't know what kind of year you guys have had, and I don't know if you're just disappointed beyond as far as you can be disappointed. But I'm believing that this is going to be a day of divine reversal. I believe that this is the day where the setback is going to turn into the comeback, where we're going to get rid ourselves of every enemy working to rob our future, where grief turns to joy, where mourning turns into dancing on the last Sunday of 2019 and this decade. God is about to turn your year around. Do you believe it? So I actually made this video. I made the videos on the worship team. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've been coming to C3 for about 10 years now. And to say I was a mess on legs when I walked in would have been a gross understatement, okay? It didn't take me long to realize I had a little bit of ish. <laughs> and freedom isn't free, so I thought I would pay for it. And I joined the internship. And I served under our beautiful pastor, Stacy Capaldi. We love her. You know, and it didn't take long for her to figure out I was a little next level jacked up. I'm going to make some people feel good today. I probably did what most interns don't do. I just sat her down and I looked her straight in the face on the first day. And I was like, listen, I am super jacked up. And I'm not the last person to find out I'm jacked up. Like, I know I'm jacked up. So whatever I need to do to get unjacked up, just tell me, and I will do it. And she was like, uh, yeah, you're going to professional counseling. <laughs> so needless to say, I went through what I thought was a pretty intense couple years of deliverance and restoration and transformation. But if I could say that this year was actually the greatest year of deliverance, healing, and restoration I've ever received. And, you know, I really felt to bring a very transparent message to you today. I actually had to rewrite it to go a bit deeper because I think pastors need to preach messages like this. And we're actually probably going to see more of this from the platform because we're a healthy church. I'll tell you some of the greatest Revelation and some of the lessons I'm learning right now in my life in this season is through hindsight. And I actually couldn't make any goals for 2020 until I actually took a pause and remembered what God had done. See, if I could look back, there's been several years of preparation 
and process. And I would say for the better part of a year and a half, I felt pressed. Have you ever felt pressed? Like I'm not talking about the type of press like being at Home Depot and trying to pick out a Christmas tree with all the crazy people and trying to keep your salvation at the same time. I'm talking about pressed on every side. It was like every area of my life was being triggered by God. It was like all these little subtle yet cyclic areas of my life just came to a head. It's like they just all started to alarm. And you know, I actually think that there was a level of opposition from the enemy, but what I really think is that God actually allowed it. See, there was a new level and a new journey that God had for me, and I could get away with some of these little subtle struggles at lower levels. But the reason I was being triggered is because these issues were keeping me stuck, and I couldn't go to the next place without dealing with those first. God was preparing me for a very special assignment. He'd been preparing me for quite some time. And as some of these issues were being pressed out, God spoke to me one morning. And he's like, Dana, you're like an old car with a lot of mileage. And and things just keep breaking down. And you just keep fixing parts temporarily, trying to get more mileage But maybe you need to stop trying to fix broken parts. Maybe you need a whole new vehicle. He said, for what I've planned for you, you're going to need a whole new vehicle. You can't take what you currently have. Then I just felt like God just started taking everything away. I had to let go of relationships. I had to let go of the familiarity of a 16-year career. I had to let go of the stability and safety of a six-figure income. So in the natural and the external, it looked like a setback. But now that I'm looking, in hindsight, it wasn't as much a setback as it was a trim back. See, sometimes we want to go wider or higher, but God first calls us to go deeper. See, sometimes we long for what's been taken, but God places value on what remains. See, there were branches in my life that weren't producing the fruit needed for the next season, because yesterday's fruit becomes tomorrow's wine. So now I'm looking in hindsight, and the harvest of the next season was actually hidden in the trim branches that remained. It was really necessary for me to go on this journey, and Pastor Jurgen always invites Pastor Mike Connell to C3 to kind of do clean up some house. He's, he's a... Um, He's one of the greatest deliverance ministers in the world. And this year, he came out for a year, and he just wrecked everybody, okay? See, and Vince and Becca probably remember this. And, you know, there had been a spirit of fear and control operating in several areas of my life that I actually wasn't aware of because I actually didn't put them on myself. And I've been really committed to freedom, but it's like, No matter how hard I tried, there was always a remnant. It's kind of like you're trying to stay sober, but somebody just keeps slipping something into your drink. See, there was this one session, and I'm sure you guys remember this, Pastor Mike. He was speaking on unnecessary burdens and that you can come under the influence of something and it can operate in your life without your permission 
but it gets accessed through something placed on you, particularly through your generational line. And he began to read my mail. And he said, sometimes there's an abusive parent or a parent with an addiction. I had both of those. And because the parent becomes absent, the child begins to take on the parental role. So then the child becomes an adult and a deep-rooted grief comes up because the child feels like they lost part of their childhood because they had to become the parent. And as a result, they begin to operate in fear and control and they work tirelessly trying to meet the needs of others, but on the back burner, they actually don't feel like their needs will be met. And this spot on read my mail and I had the most massive deliverance and I'm still working through the pain and the grief and letting that go and actually have to renew my mind a lot. So I came to help some people get set free from the weight of unnecessary burdens today. So there's a perfect illustration of how this happens in the book of Judges chapter 16 and for time I'm just going to summarize this but this is the story of Samson. So if you're familiar with Samson, Samson started out as a divinely inspired leader. He was known for his exceptional strength by God. He was an Israelite warrior. But Samson had problems with women. Come on, somebody. So the enemy had a little bit of a foothold. And he takes home a prostitute. But then he falls into the arms of the wrong woman, Delilah, a.k.a. the temptress. And she begins to influence him. And Delilah is working for the enemy for 1,100 pieces of silver. See, the Philistines hated Samson. They wanted to destroy him, overpower him, bind him, and subdue him, which is always the work of the enemy. So, Delilah's what you call 11 out of 10 crazy. Okay? And she begins to nag Samson, Samson, show me the source of your strength, Samson. How can you say you love me, Samson, when your heart is so far from me? Delilah is always a reminder of how unattractive a naggy woman is to a man. (laughs) So because Samson already has an issue with women, there's a foothold. He's vulnerable. She's familiar So he begins to slowly come under her influence. So eventually he submits to it, succumbs to her influence, and reveals the secret to his strength, which is if a razor was ever taken to his head, he'll lose his strength and become weak, just like any other man. So as soon as he falls asleep, Delilah calls up the Philistines. They bring her the money. They shave his hair off, and Samson wakes up to his worst nightmare, baldness. Check this out. The Bible says in Judges 16, 20, for Samson did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistine said, you know what? He's already down. Let's just put the icing on the cake. Let's gouge his eyes out, bind him in chains, and throw him in prison. So this divinely inspired leader wakes up bald with no strength and no vision, chained up in a prison, which is exactly what happens when we come under the weight and succumb to the influence of an unnecessary burden. 
Well, we're going to get some strength and some vision back to some Samson's today and get rid of some Delilah's because some of you are actually in your promised land, but you can't see it because the enemy, through carrying unnecessary burdens, has put blinders on divine vision, destiny, and dreams. And just like Samson and just like me, you might have come under the weight of some unnecessary burdens that you didn't place on yourself, but it's causing chronic problems. It's causing delay. It's causing disconnection from God. Perhaps you want to move, but you feel stuck. Well, we're going to get set free. We're going to shred these unnecessary weights, and we're going to move into 2020 with God-sized dreams and visions to fulfill our destiny. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, the AMP and the Passion Translation, I like both of them. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight, or the Passion Translation would say, the wounds that have pierced us, and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangled us, let us run with endurance and act of persistence. The Passion Translation says, passion and determination, the race that is set before us. The Passion Translation says the path that has already been marked for us. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. And the Passion Translation says because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Well, the process of taking off these weights is painful. So God continues to encourage us in advance. Further down in verse 7, it says, We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. We've never once endured his correction that it only proves we're strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers, even though they corrected and disciplined us, then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God. Our parents corrected us for that short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Now all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of Character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong, even in your weakness, by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen your weak knees, for as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. We're moving into 2020. And every time we move forward, we have to shift weight to keep our center of gravity. And today we're going to shred the weight of the past. We're going to fix our eyes on Jesus, the king, the author, and finisher of our future. Okay? The title of my message today is called Weightless, which is what everybody wants to hear after the holidays. (laughs) The first thing. I had to learn to become weightless was to choose relationship with God over religion. See, one of the weights I've been carrying was a controlling, manipulating spirit of religion that had entered my life at a very young age. And religion isn't just a denomination. 
It's being controlled and manipulated by rules, regulations, and performance mentality. You become a human doing instead of a human being. Its influences causes you to operate in your own strength, and eventually you no longer need God. But then everything that you're working for begins to work against you because religion separates you from your relationship with God. But a relationship with God shows you that you don't do your way into being. You be your way into doing. Everything that I am experiencing right now is a direct correlation to the woman of God I have become. And you know, I remember going on an altar call earlier last year, believing to go to the next level in the marketplace. And I had our marketplace pastor, the legend pastor, Colin Higginbottom. Everybody get out to that breakfast in February. It's going to be amazing. Well, as soon as I told him what I was praying for, something else came in to his Holy Spirit-filled inbox. And he said, Dana, there's unclean stuff in your life. It's religious, and it's defiling you. It's not coming from you, but it's anchoring onto your life. And I was like, wow. Is that all you have, Colin? I'm defiled? Really great. So I guess this just means we're not going to the next level. (laughs) But thank God he had that conversation because I still could have been stuck. And so I started doing my research. And I happened to be studying deliverance. And I happened to be reading a book. And it said that sometimes kids of abusive parents will submit to the abuse thinking they are honoring their mother and father. But through submitting to the abuse, the same demonic spirits controlling their parents anchor onto their lives, and begin controlling them. Bingo. The truth gets revealed, and that's exactly what happened in my life. I had had tried to set boundaries so many times with a very abusive mother, and she would be on her best behavior for a while, and I would let up the boundaries, and then she would attack again, and each attempt grew more violent and more aggressive. And I'd never been able to sever the cord, and I came under the influence of this manipulating and controlling spirit. It just kept me in delay. It's like trying to move one step forward and two steps back. And that programming that started in my childhood where I was only meant to meet other people's needs grew worse in my adulthood, and I would overcompensate this void of relationship through just more religious acts. Performance over presence, grind over grace, work over rest, so much so that I would end up feeling exhausted and discouraged. And so when this was revealed to me, God spoke to me and said, Dana, it's time to set a permanent boundary with your mother. And I had to fast and pray to get the courage. And I did set it in an honorable way through sending her an email. But I could only do that through my relationship with God, because he loves my mom as much as he loves me. But you know what? He knew this relationship was harmful, and I deserved to be fully loved. And he taught me that loving and honoring her was praying for her from a distance. See, it's pivotal that he showed me that because of what happened next. So I sent my mom this email on a Saturday. And on Monday, I received a call at 5.30 a.m., for my brother, and when I looked at the caller ID, I knew what it was. And I picked with the phone, and he said, Dana. And there was a pretty long silence. 
and he said, Mom shot herself this morning. And he said, please don't blame yourself. I think she's still alive. She's on the way to the hospital. I'll call you in a few hours. See, religion could not have gotten me through this moment. I couldn't work enough, grind enough, perform enough. But I could choose not to blame myself, to draw near to God, and to love my mom by praying for her and contending for her life, which is what I did for two hours. And because I chose relationship over religion, because I chose to honor her by praying for her, her life was saved by a series of miracles. There has been a miraculous recovery. And you know, although I've not been released to let up those boundaries with my mom, through my relationship with God, I actually love her more today, and I pray for her every day. The most work, church, I've done in choosing relationship over religion is letting the word of God and the promises of God reprogram me. See, I learned that through rituals and labor, religion is trying to achieve what God wants to give us through our relationship with him. Religion puts walls of regulation where God intends to put love. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace. And I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. You know, I found a tired, weary, independent soul that comes under the yoke and weight of religion also easily falls under the weights of insecurity, resentment, offense, and unforgiveness. They work together. And you know, I didn't know that I was under the weight of insecurity until this past year when God removed my stability, my six-figure income. That's when things really started to feel a little unstable. I was like, um, yeah, I know my generational line's a little jacked up, but don't mess with my finances. Like, I've got that all dialed in. I'm a pathfinder. I'm a marketplace giant, you know? I'm a wealth creator. Yeah, my insecurity exposed my identity. See, when you come under the weight of insecurity, when God removes the things that make us feel stable, including our comfortable dysfunction... We have to connect with the Holy Spirit so that when we don't have understanding in these times, the Holy Spirit can connect us to the heart of the Father who reveals our identity to us. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. You know, I didn't understand it because I I hadn't dealt with the influence of unnecessary weights of insecurity. And the only way that I could rid myself of these unnecessary burdens was not to identify with the insecurity, but instead identify with the bigness of my God and that maybe his signature on my life was giving me something I couldn't handle. 
So I would make getting to know him the core of my identity and live from that place. It can no longer be what my generational line or the world would say, but what God says. The same God that says to you and I that before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I called you. The same God that says, I've given you a future and a, future and a hope, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. You know, when we don't deal with our insecurities, it quickly leads to offense, which leads to these weights of resentment and unforgiveness. And unforgiveness is a cancer that defiles and eats away your destiny. The only way you can find a way to forgive yourself and those who have hurt you is to look at them through the heart of the Father. I had to look at my mom and people who've wronged me, including myself, through the relationship I have with my father. And you know what? You know what actually compels us to keep the commandments and precepts of God? What is the antidote to the cancers of the religious weights of insecurity, offense, and unforgiveness? It's knowing that God has placed value on our hearts. And when we develop a trust and love with God, it will build a, re a relationship that no rules or regulations can match. We'll see that God isn't in the business of punishing us with religion. He pursues us with love. He doesn't grimace at our failures. He delights at our attempts. And the reason why the Bible is a picture painted over thousands of years of the pursuit of mankind is because God isn't looking for religious slaves. He's looking for sons and daughters. God didn't want us to just be servants. He first wanted us to be his kids because when a child serves their parent, they serve out of the relationship they have with that parent. And by Jesus making the ultimate sacrifice to take on all these religious weights, he made it possible for us no longer to be slaves, but friends and co-heirs with Christ. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, God got what he was originally looking for, a place to give his heart. And when we operate in our God-given identity, Jesus got what he paid for. The second thing I had to do to become weightless was choose belief by faith over fear and doubt. And this is a bit of a pointed but shorter point. Jude 1.3 says, Dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. For God through the apostles has once for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. He was speaking to believers. He says, I need to remind you, even though you're familiar with it all, that the Lord Jesus saved his people out of Egypt, but subsequently destroyed those who were guilty of unbelief. In the same way, there were heavenly messengers in rebellion who went outside their rightful domain of authority in unbelief and abandoned their appointed realms. See, God can bring you out of Egypt, but it's unbelief that will keep you from your promised land. You know, to get rid of the unnecessary weights of religion and go through some of the extremes I did, I only had two options, faith in God or faith in the devil, which is fear. Fear believes that a lesser God is incapable of protecting and providing, but faith says the devil has no power. He has no authority because faith speaks the word of God that says, no, I have been given the power to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing by shall any means harm me. When fear and doubt came my way through these circumstances, I had to choose faith. And I'll be honest, I've got some warfare tactics when I need to slay these 
Fear devils. And I'll let you in on my secret. I created a devil-beating playlist on Spotify. It has everything from Kanye West, Jesus is King, to Not Today Devil by Hillsong. Do not let this small frame fool you. I can whip up on some devils. So I'm telling you, Salt Lake, when that devil tries to put the unnecessary weights of fear and doubt on you, it is your praise that becomes your shield of faith. Let me tell you, when the devil tried to knock at my door with a package addressed to me from my past, like I'd have mental illness, like I'd have addiction, like I'd have depression, my faith will tell that devil and that package, return to cinder, you have the wrong address. It is your faith that will reroute him from your past to his future. There's a pit in hell with his name on it because Jesus died and rose again to get the keys to lock him up for eternity. And you know what? The devil only brings up your past because when you choose faith, he can't touch your future. So thirdly, told you it was short and pointed. To become weightless, and I believe was the whole reason I had to go through the pressing and the stripping, was to choose legacy over generational oppression. And this is a big one. You know, in hindsight, I realized that God had been taking me on a tour throughout my life to see my legacy so I could receive my inheritance. See, that first passage in Hebrews described wounds that we easily fall into, familiar wounds, generational wounds. You know, when we hear that familiar language that, that passes down through family lines, like, oh, we just need to pass this down to Johnny, you know? And I think there are some th- great things that are passed down generational lines. I'm actually grateful for all the really great things I got from my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. But you know what? If I could insert myself into Johnny's place, coming from generations of mental illness, of suicide attempts, of addiction, of infidelity, the list goes on, there are some legacies that don't need to be passed down. See, the enemy can use the torment of your generational line or your childhood as an aggressive attempt to frighten you away from the gift of God on your life so that you, like Samson, lose sight of your future. And why does he work so hard? Yeah, because the enemy is terrified of people who have God-sized vision because it reveals his powerlessness and God's greatness. Let me tell you why this journey was so instrumental and why I had to let go of the unnecessary weights, why I needed a new vehicle. See, earlier in the year, this beautiful woman of God, she prophesied over me. She goes, Dana, you know, God has given you many passions and gifts, and, and that you've had them for a season, but he allowed them to burn out. They were like shooting stars. And he said, but this, she said, this is the year that God's going to bring all those gifts and passions together. And he's going to show you the whole puzzle. So I had to overcome generational oppression. I had to overcome the unnecessary weights keeping me trapped in the past because God didn't want me to stay stuck in the past. He wanted to redeem it, to use it for my future. See, God was calling me to be an ambassador, to go to battle for the number one injustice of my generation, abortion. I know this is a sensitive topic, but he called me to to go in and protect the lives of the unborn because we can't protect any rights until we protect life. And so he called me out of that familiar 
16-year career in traditional health care. And in July, I started working for Turning Point Pregnancy Resource Center. You guys gave to them. last. Thank you so much. This is a ministry I've been sewing into financially for nine years through Vision Builders. You know, I do ultrasounds and counsel women who are faced with unplanned pregnancy, considering abortion, and we do give them other options, which one is to keep their baby. We, may, we saved 50 babies last year alone. But we actually take care of their root issues, the whole reason why they're making the decision. So right before Cherish Conference this year, how many Cherish ladies do we have? After shedding the unnecessary weight, after the dust had settled from the long season of breaking, of pressing, of choosing relationship, choosing faith, choosing legacy, God spoke to me the word solidify. And so I'm at the Cherish Conference, and Darlene Check is speaking on legacy. And God begins to speak to me. And he says, Dana, do you realize you're standing in the harvest field of the seed you've been sowing for nine years? You're living a legacy. And then I thought, yes, I was born to live a legacy. Because when we do an ultrasound on a woman considering abortion and she chooses life, it's legacy. When I write blogs that expose darkness by revealing the truth of the story of a woman's transformed life, it's legacy. When I'm invited to college campuses to teach women about their bodies so they don't make mistakes, they'll regret, it's legacy. When we shut down the second biggest abortion clinic in San Diego and Southern California and are moving in that space in 2020, it's legacy. When we duplicate our clinics and take the mobile to minister to all the women in the sex industry in San Diego, it's legacy. God created us to live a legacy to bring heaven to every place there is hell on earth right now. Whatever we occupied, the devil can't destroy. He can't have this generation. He can't have the next. When we choose legacy over generational oppression, we don't repeat history. We create it. And we start a new legacy. It was necessary for me to choose legacy over generational oppression because if my God-given assignment was to help these women and their families choose the lives of their unborn children, they first had to choose themselves. They had to choose not to repeat history. They had to choose to create history. They had to start a new legacy. See, I believe the legacy doesn't end with you. The legacy begins with you. So in closing, there are a few things that we actually need to put on which are given to us as children of God. And it's also what is necessary to get rid of the unnecessary weights. See, I believe in 2020, an army of men and women are going to do what could never have been done in a decade. Through the anthem of Ephesians 6, putting on the whole armor of God. And I'm going to read, it's a lot of scripture, but it's a declaration. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. And take the mighty, razor-sharp, spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon his believers. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for the last Sunday of 2019. No, for the last. 
Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will, not, you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you're destined for all things and will rise rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you, to stand in triumph. Put on holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll be ready to share the blessings of peace in every battle. Take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. And as you put on the armor of God, I'm believing over this church, over this city, over San Diego, over this nation, God is going to release an increase of the greatest kingdom anointings that will ever be released on the earth to give him glory. And I believe that the world will hear the church resound the anthem and declaration of Isaiah 61. I'm going to, it's another declaration that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance and retribution of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them a turban instead of dust on their heads, a sign of mourning, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a disheartened spirit, So they will be called the trees of righteousness, strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up and restore the former desolations. They will renew the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed your flocks. And foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. People will speak of you as the ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations. You will boast of their riches. Instead of your former shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, your people will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, in their land, they will possess double what they had forfeited. Everlasting joy will be theirs. And I will faithfully reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the people. And all who see them in their prosperity, hallelujah, will recognize and acknowledge them that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. See, our friend Samson repented. He got restored, his hair grew back, and so did his string. And when he's mentioned again in the New Testament, there's not even a trace of his past. In fact, among other great men, he makes the Hebrews Hall of Faith. And the woman that stands before you today has also been set free from her past. 
My heart has to remind my mind sometimes, but you know what? I'm just a student in the classroom of the Word of God, and I just keep locating myself in the revealed Word of God, and I just keep allowing my life to be transformed from that revelation because it's the, the Word of God that has the power to continually deliver us. In my prayer today, as you're shredding, is that there's no veils, barriers, or influence between God's goodness and our hearts, that we absorb God's word with a sensitive spirit, and it becomes implanted in the fabric of our God-given nature. So today we're going to close some doors that no man or devil can open, and we're going to open some doors that no man or devil can close because Jesus became king to give us the keys to the kingdom to open wide some gates and walk through them completely weightless and unobstructed. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to c3saltlakecity.com. 